Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebener, and today I chat with Nick Walter. We have an honest discussion about the pros and the cons of teaching online. We hear his entire story and specifically dive into how to have a great co-instructor relationship. That's coming right up. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Please, if you haven't done so already, leave a review for this show wherever you listen to it. Now, let's get straight to the interview. Hey everyone, Phil Ebener here with the Online Course Masters show. I'm so excited to be chatting with Nick Walter a good friend of mine who I met online through Udemy. We've co-instructed a course. We met at Udemy Live, and he's had great success on the platform. So, Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. So, Nick and I were talking before we started recording, and the first thing he told me was, I'm feeling a little burnt out. I don't know if I'm going to be creating another course anytime soon, which... I think is very telling and very honest. And so I wanted to ask you about that. You've created a bunch of courses over the summer at the time we're recording this. What are you feeling right now? Uh, This could be a little therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's talk it out. I'm, uh, yeah, just like, like you had said, I've, I've done a ton of courses this summer, just been like really cranking. It just seems almost, uh, Every day, wake up, get at least the top half of me presentable so I can film myself (laughs) and I'm just recording the whole day. And it just like, I don't know, there's really no end to the days. And like at this point, I'm just like, wow, is this worth it? Like it's been awesome to get these new courses, students and stuff, see new revenue and everything. But uh, yeah, I think I've definitely sort of overdone it a bit. That's really, um, I think good to hear. I think for me and for other instructors, I know sometimes for me, after I teach, launch a course, I'm just like, man, I am so glad that I don't have to be working on anything. I'm actually at that point right now. I, I'm not really working on any courses and, and mm-hmm. I, it's a struggle for me to start working on another course. I know the next one I'm teaching is a big redo of my After Effects course, which I know is just going to be a huge undertaking. Um, mm-hmm. I also know that, and we'll get more into your backstory, but you had a huge launch or initial success on Udemy and with your online courses. But I also know that things dipped quite a bit. But with these latest courses that you've done and all the work you've put back into it, are you, do you feel like it, it has been worth it and has your, your revenue basically increased um, enough to make it worth it? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think probably, uh, once I'm maybe a month or so removed from this, I have a little vacation planned. I think it's going to be like, wow, you were probably just being a little bit, uh, dramatic there for a second. Um, so, so I do think it's worth it, but, uh, I mean, the other side of me always thinks about, uh, how being a, online course creator, the greatest thing I think that comes from that besides the money is the freedom. And, uh, sometimes I almost feel like I have the most flexible job in the world and I'm so unflexible. I'm in my house every single day, uh, recording. And it's like, why, 
you know, I, I, like I'm not living up to what I, I could. So that's that's the kind of other thing that's toying with me. Yeah. And I think I feel the same. And I think the title of this episode is going to be something like the honest truth about teaching online or something like that, because <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I was actually being interviewed for a podcast yesterday and I was talking about how it's been a tough week for me because my wife and I got a puppy. And so I've been spending a lot of time taking care of the puppy, making sure she's doing, you know, not doing bad things, uh, training her. And I was like, not complaining about it. I love it. But the person who was interviewing me was like, wow, that's a problem that not many people have because most people have to go to a nine to five job and they would just have to leave their puppy at home where I'm have this flexible job where I can work from home. I can get a puppy. Mm -hmm. I can train the puppy while I'm at home. And it's just like this situation where, you know, it's great for me, but I maybe I don't see all the benefits. Um, and like you, I'm in my office all the time. And part of me thinks, though, it's a little with social media. I see all these entrepreneurs out in the world doing all these cool things, traveling, and it looks all glamorous. But maybe it's just, you know, what they show online. And maybe that's what I show online, too. Uh, I mean, do you find yourself like what what are you missing? What what do you want more of in life right now? Because a lot of people, I think, would say, oh, I want Nick Walter's life. <laughs> uh, I think I would just want to be uh, a little bit more kind of in control of things. I mean, I don't think you can be. Ultimately, you're going to go nuts if you do. But uh yeah, I, I guess I just kind of feel sometimes it's like, uh, you, you know, with online courses and stuff, especially if you're on a platform like Udemy where you're competing against other people, is that uh, I, I feel like you take time off, you sort of let off the gas, people are just going to run over you. Like mm. so many people are getting into this. It's very, very competitive. And uh you know, if you let off, people are going to take over. And so I kind of just always feel this like pressure of like, holy cow, like I've got to, you know, I got to keep going. I got to get that another course so I can get mm -hmm. more students and then figure out what they want and then make that next course that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I, I think deep down, like I know I've, I'm like, I've gone a little bit too far. Um, I mean, I, so the funny thing was before I did any teaching, uh, I remember that my my goal in life, I said, if I can make $4,000 a month, uh, life is going to be great. It was enough to save for retirement. Uh, it was enough to like eat out every day, which I freaking love eating out. I just absolutely love it. Uh, it was enough to like go on a couple of vacations. I, I, I just had budgeted out everything. It was like four grand a month is my thing. And it was like my first year teaching online, I had made uh, almost like six times uh, or not six times, almost like three or four times that amount. And it was just like, holy cow, like I never expected to get this much money. I mean, my in my first year was kind of a, a little bit of a windfall, but it's like I sometimes I look back to like Nick before he got into teaching and he'd look at current Nick and be like, dude, you're an idiot. Like <laughs> you've made it like go enjoy some of life that you've had. And so um, I think I yeah. that's good. At, you know, that's honest truth and it's whatever you want to call it this first world problem it's it's a privilege that you and i have um and so i want to kind of 
talk about that with some gentleness because I know there's a lot of people who might say, well, wow, Phil and Nick, you guys are so spoiled. Like, how can you be like that? But I also remember listening to a podcast myself. I forget who the entrepreneur was, but he was doing big things, not in online teaching, but he was doing, you know, $5,000 a month. Then he was doing 10,000. And then pretty soon he was making $100,000 a month. And he was talking about that exact same thing. Like he had a goal to make $10,000 a month, but he kept pressuring himself, doing more and more and more. And now he's making 100K a month and he's feeling like it's not enough. And he's feeling like no matter how much you make, like if you set a goal, like once you reach that goal, you're going to want more. And I, I feel the same way. Like I look at our income and I'm like, I could just sit on a beach if I wanted to and not worry about this and be making a decent living. And it was the same thing for me. I was like struggling when I was starting making a couple thousand dollars at work at my full-time job. And I thought, man, if I could just make, yeah, like 60K a year, I would be golden. And, uh, you know, now I'm doing that, but I also feel that pressure to, to keep going. So I don't know what the answer is though. I don't know what, what we should be doing, but I think we should also, you know, kind of just accept where we are. And, but sometimes I'm like, Oh, I wish I, we have so much freedom and I almost wish I could just have this job on an assembly line where all I have to do (laughs) is the exact same thing every day. I know exactly what to do. I don't have to be creative. I don't have to like market myself. I don't have to come up with new, 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 new all the time. And I know I'd get bored of that like in like seven hours and quit my job. But some of, sometimes I'm like, I just want to sit on a conveyor, conveyor belt and put parts on a, <laughs> on a machine or something. Well, yeah. And, and part of the allure of like, so kind of what you said, looking to a job is, is like, wow, that'd, that'd be nice. Although I think like you said, it'd ultimately, if you've done self-employed, it'd be very hard to go back is uh, that idea of like, you know exactly when you're showing up, you know exactly when you're leaving and it's done. Like work is compartmentalized over there. Like I can't tell you how many times like in the middle of the night, like I'm thinking about like, gosh, what am I going to do for like that promo tomorrow? And it's just like, (laughs) it's just like, it seems like it's sometimes like all consuming Mm -hmm. in the head. So one more thing I just wanted to touch on was like, yeah, obviously uh, I think both you and I are incredibly lucky to be in the positions um, that that we are, but it it uh, that that's what makes me. But like, kind of go back to the like the pre-teaching Nick that would look at current Nick and just be like, "Dude, you're an you're an idiot. Why why are you complaining? Like, go ahead and use what you've got. Like, make some of it." So I to me, what I would love to get to is a point where I feel somewhat balanced that I'm still attacking and doing courses, uh, that I think are challenging and fun, but at the same time, like I don't feel so burnt out of it that it's, uh, becoming like a drag because it shouldn't be a drag. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not right. Like we are in amazing positions, incredibly lucky. And so to me to like not live up to the opportunities, like sort of being a sellout to the situation, at least Mm -hmm. that's what I'm hoping to somehow find that Zen in between. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to hear that from from people like us and to just as you're growing your income, teaching your own online classes, keep that in mind and to do things to make sure you're enjoying life. I think sometimes it's for me just 
making sure that I get out and like meet up with friends during the week or I just at least go to a coffee shop even though you know I'm I know you're into Dave Ramsey I think I've been listening to <laughs> Dave Ramsey I'm also into uh, this guy Mr. Money Mustache and he's like you know save up for retirement don't spend any of your money on anything and so part of me is like oh I don't want to buy that cup of coffee even though you know I make enough money to do that a lot but sometimes it's worth it just to to get out and to to enjoy life a little bit more. I, I mean, the other thing I think about too is like it would take, sometimes I worry and I'm sure you worry about the ups and downs of Udemy and just online income in general, but it would take a dramatic dip for, for us to even have to go back to finding a full-time job somewhere else. So I think we have to like realize that and you know, realize we need to do this for, for the love of it and not just for the revenue because at mm-hmm. least at this point, we've built up a reputation and a number of courses where the revenue is going to continue coming in. Um, if we, if you know, for a while, even if we stopped, but um, you know, of course, at the same time, if you, if at the end of the day we're not happy and we want to do something else, we have that opportunity to do something else. Um, That's true. Mm. Yeah. So, anyways, this has been a great chat, <laughs> but let's uh, kind of set the stage. Nick actually came on. Back in the day, I was doing the Passive Income Show with Dave Espino, and he came on and we interviewed him. But those of you listening, you might not know Nick. Can you kind of lay the scene? What What's your background? Um, how did you get into teaching online? And what kind of courses do you teach? Uh, so I live in uh, Utah, grew up in Oregon, uh, went to school at BYU. I uh, barely made it through college because uh, in the middle of college, I... Uh, I've self-taught myself how to make iPhone apps. And uh, w- once I started making apps, like I just freaking loved it. Putting out my own apps, doing contract work for other people, whatever it was, it was just like that was the dream job. So it was like, why would I keep going to school if I've got the dream job? Um, but anyways, very into technology, loved making apps, although my figuring out how to make apps was very difficult. Uh, I don't really come from like a programming background, I'm not like, I guess, super nerdy and that I can just figure anything out really quickly. Like, so it, it ultimately took me like three ish years of trying to teach myself with stuff on the internet to eventually get an app into the app store. And so, um, it was back in, I think 2014, uh, Apple came out with a new programming language, uh, which is not, not a very common thing. Like it's maybe once every 10, 15 years, who knows, like very unprecedented thing. Uh, and anyways, someone had said, Hey, you know, someone should make like an online course teaching this new thing. And I had kind of thought back to like, man, I love making iPhone apps, but I remember how hard it was to learn. And I felt like everything I watched was like very unrelatable, didn't really like talk to me. So I thought, well, I should try making a course. And, uh, so I put out one of the very first courses on this new programming language and was very lucky that Udemy like picked it up and they did like a massive promo uh, to all their people. And I've just kind of been doing other tech classes since then. So more stuff on the Apple ecosystem. I've done other programming languages like Python and uh, you and I, we did like a website course together. Um, but yeah, I, I mostly teach about tech and I try and uh, come from the angle of someone who's uh, speaking it to you as a friend, sort of down to earth. I'm not trying to be very professor like and very correct with everything. It's more of just, 
if I was sitting down with you, how would I explain how to make an app? Yeah, and I think that's why the students love your classes so much because people enjoy learning like that. I know when you first launched your your first course, you or one of your first courses, you use Kickstarter to actually launched that course to and you made a lot of money with that and you did that with your latest course talk about that strategy um maybe if it's still a valid strategy and how you actually kind of do that with a course balancing promoting it on kickstarter versus promoting it on udemy when you launch uh so i i think kickstarter is just a, a great idea because one uh, I think sort of the biggest thing is it will tell you be- before you make a course whether or not people want it. So still the amazing thing to me about Kickstarter is you can get money for something that doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, you, ha- you have to make a kind of professional looking video and like really attack it with like the marketing and stuff. But I mean, people will give you money for a class that does not exist yet. So, I mean, um, for me, when I've been when I've like done a Kickstarter, I've done some that just absolutely smashed it. And it was like, wow, this is a home run. And I make the course and I give it to all my backers. And then it's a huge success on Udemy or my own website. Uh, and then other times I've done a Kickstarter and it's really struggling. And it's like, I don't think this is something people actually want. And so then I'm like diving in, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what is it, what is it that it's missing? Or is it just like the wrong topic, uh, entirely. So I, I think Kickstarter is really great for one, being able to find if, if it's a good idea and two, just getting a, a new sort of student base. I mean, um, you know, there's kind of like a crowd at Kickstarter mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, might not be on Udemy or other places. And so I, it's pretty awesome to be able to tap into some of that. Yeah, it's a great way to validate your course idea beforehand. Like you said, for people who are don't have an audience when you launch a Kickstarter for you, how are you promoting that Kickstarter campaign like now? And also with your first one, did you have an audience to promote to, or was it sort of just being on the Kickstarter platform that it kind of caught fire or do you need to have like an audience to promote to, to get some initial traction? So in my opinion, you don't want to do a Kickstart like if you're only selling to people that you already have a contact for, Kickstarter's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's a fine website for like processing payments, but like they take I think five percent for credit card and then five percent as their own like internal fee. Mm-hmm. So it's like a ten percent cut. So if you if you have like emails of people, uh, you know, if you're gonna sell them something, you might as well sell them on your own thing. The real magic of Kickstarter is finding people who came to Kickstarter and like somehow stumbled upon your project. So to me, the big thing that you're trying to do is you're trying to get onto their popular page. Um, and so that, I mean, by sending your own like list to your Kickstarter, that sort of builds momentum on it and who knows what their algorithm uh, likes and doesn't like. But it, the idea is that you try and get it popular so that you can um, get people that, are outside of your base in now into your base. So there's a really cool uh, graphic on the dashboard of your Kickstarter projects that show you how much came from Kickstarter and how much came from outside. And so um, I think that's that's pretty neat. And it's it's really that that green part of the pie that they show that uh, that's you know that's what you're going for there. That's cool. I didn't 
think about that. And uh, I, I was assuming that you, we would be driving our own traffic to kickstart to get it, you know, going. But it doesn't make sense if they're taking, you know, a high percentage. And isn't Kickstarter like if you don't match your funding or what your goal is, you don't get it? Or have they changed that rule? Right. So if if you set your goal at five thousand bucks and you get to four hundred, nine hundred, ninety nine, yeah. Everyone, no, no one's credit card gets charged. Nothing happens. Got it. But so that doesn't I will make say, sense. Yeah, if you are doing a Kickstarter, keep your goal low. If if only for this reason, one, it doesn't really cost a ton of money to make a course. Like there are costs involved, but it's it's mostly your time. And I mean, you've got to be aware of your time. Like that's that doesn't cost zero. But um, Everyone loves to be a part of a Kickstarter project that is three to four times over its goal rather than the whole time it's like it hasn't hit its goal yet. And it's like, is this going? Is it not like when people see a Kickstarter that's way over its goal, it's like, whoa, this is cool. Should I be a part of this? Like, this is awesome versus like, "Uh, I don't know if this is going through kind of a thing. So keep your goals low is, is my opinion on that. Great advice. Great advice. All right, switching gears to um, promoting your courses on Udemy. I know you do a really good job at creating promo videos. Um, and if anyone wants to, just go to Udemy, search for Nick Walter, go to one of his freaking iPhone app classes and see what the promo video looks like. What What is your strategy with promo videos um, for you know helping to sell your classes? Uh, my basic strategy is just try and convey that my course is going to be fun and sort of give people a taste of what it is that they're actually getting into. So, uh, I try and do like a lot of just, you know, me in front of the camera talking, trying to, you know, be as personable as possible. Um, I try and add humor in there. I don't, some people may like it, some not. Uh, and then yeah, like the, the course, content I think is a big one because I know me personally, when I go and search for courses, uh, if it is a talking head the whole time, I'm kind of like, I'm not really sure what it is that I'm exactly getting with this. So I think it's pretty important to help people see like, Oh, you join, this is, you know, this could be you, we're going to be doing this and that. So I guess if I could drill it down, it'd be entertain, be personable, and give a little taste of what's coming. Yeah, so actually showing what's inside the course. And that's something that I do with my courses or my promo videos. I get a lot of questions actually from students asking, okay, what do you do in your promo videos? I think the you know, you look at Nick's videos and you see that that humor and the style. And I think that's great to show because it's going to set the expectations for the students and they're going to see that promo video and they're going to be like, wow, this is Nick. This is what I get. So when they get into the course and it has that, you know, your humor and your personality, they're going to like that versus what I see some instructors doing where they have sort of this generic promo video. They might even hire a voiceover actor or it's like text to speech app or something like that. Or if it's just, or it's just text on the screen with some music and slides and that, and they make the promo, maybe it looks really good and it's really snazzy and everything, but then they get into the course and the style is completely different. It's Mm. a different instructor. It sounds and looks different. And then their expectation isn't 
met or it's different than what they thought. And that's when you get those lower reviews. So I think making that's one of the key things for getting good reviews is matching people's expectations. And part of it has to do with your promo videos. So Nick, great advice. I know you've also done a lot of co-instructing, especially recently. We actually co-instructed a course on HTML and CSS3. Let's talk about that. Uh, what, just off the bat, what are some lessons you've learned for things to do and maybe some things to be wary of when co-instructing courses? Hmm. Um, so... I, I guess I'll start with why I, I'm trying to do this. Um, I don't know if you were, if you ever were into the app Vine at all, the little Not six really, second but videos. I need a bit, yeah. Uh, okay, um, but when that was really starting to take off, there was this really kind of interesting thing where it was like the top, I don't know, ten, twenty people that had like a ton of followers. They started doing these revines which essentially where is you can like retweet or show someone else's content and it was sort of like the the, the top 10 or whatever people were sort of revining each other and just those people they're, they're already big numbers just exploded and it was like this elite group of like the 10 or so ever people and then like everybody else and uh so i mean it seems like to me that like it was just the idea of like when you do collaboration with other people like you share your fan base and like that only just like grows everything so my thought has been to try and do a similar thing for online teaching right like each of us kind of has their own silos and the more that we can kind of like connect those that's only like better for each person uh involved and so to me that's the big thing i guess i'd look for is when uh what i'm looking for is like when <clears throat> I'm going to like work with somebody is like, is this something that we could, you know, both turn into, you know, are our students going to like each other? Um, and, uh, you know, is there like a, a, a crossover between the two? And so, um, as far as things to avoid, uh, my worst experience with co-instructing with people has been, uh, when they, they didn't really have a good teaching record. I remember I partnered with, uh, one, one guy who had YouTube videos, but he'd never done a Udemy course, but he had a ton of followers on YouTube. I thought he's going to be great. Um, but it went awful. Like it was terrible. And the, the big thing was that like on YouTube, everything's free. So the, the standard is incredibly low, right? Like most people, if, if they watch a video and they don't like it, they don't even bother doing the thumbs down. They click off. They're trying to go find the next video. Whereas when this guy came on and on Udemy made videos, like they weren't that great, uh, got ripped up in the reviews and it was just like bad news. And so I'd say making sure that uh, the person that you're teaching with has a proven record that they have courses with like really good reviews and stuff like that. That's, that's a big thing. Um, and then with our collaboration, like I, I think something that I learned was just that like, I think we have pretty different student bases. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I think the people that joined the course enjoyed it, but uh, I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, I think we kind of expect a little more from like each of our sides to like come through uh, on this. And it just like really wasn't there. So I don't know if it was the topic or if it's just really that we just have like separate bases. But uh, I think, yeah, I, well, yeah. I think you're 
advice is, has been great. And I think for our course, we were trying to come up with a course topic that both of our audiences would enjoy. And where your audience is a little bit more advanced in the tech, it's more about maybe some app development. And then my audience is more like beginner web. Where I have a WordPress course. Um, there's some people that are starting to build their own websites. The The course that we created about HTML and CSS3 that was kind of in between our audiences. So some of it was a little bit maybe too advanced for my audience and then maybe a little too beginner for your audience. And so I think that's why our course ha- hasn't been a smash su- success for our audience. I think that it's a great course for the topic. I think, I mean, I know you you did a lot of work on, on the video for it and your, your teaching is great. It's getting great reviews. So hopefully in the long run, it, it does kind of, you know, start to rank higher for the keywords. Mm. But I think that is a lesson learned for us that, you know, maybe we the best collaborations are between two teachers who who really do have the same student base. And then you're teaching a course that serves that same audience in the same way, rather than just trying to come up with a topic um, that both of you can teach. So it's kind of like, I think the you know, collaborating with other bestsellers is a great strategy, but only if it really makes sense for your own audience, right? Yeah. And and so I so I have a question for you is like, so for example, my best selling course every year is my my iPhone course. It's my how to make a freaking iPhone app course. And so I, I mean, do you think it would be a good idea to like contact another uh, iPhone instructor and say, Hey, come be a part of this thing. Like, like, do I bring someone into my flagship? Because it's like, it's someone else who's, who's really popular with iOS so that it's like, you know, there's two there. Or is it like, no, that's kind of like your thing. Leave it alone. I don't know. That that's something I've been mulling over in my mind is it's like, you know, do you, do you let people into those like top selling courses? Do you not? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts there? I think that's a, it's a great question. I think, you would do really well if you went to someone else who also teaches iPhone app courses and you come up with a new idea that serves your audience. So maybe it's the next, you know, if they come up with a new language next time um, or a new version, you know, doing a co-instructed course because both your students will do well. But then, of course, you're you're figuring out, well, is it worth it because... We have to split revenue, and if I do this by myself, how well would I do? Um, mm. So I think that's one way to look at it is like, yeah, finding someone else who teaches the same thing as you, who also has a big student base that might not know of your courses, and co-instructing a course. Because the other thing is that we know with Udemy that students love buying a lot of courses. So they'll buy multiple courses in the same exact topic just to test it out because it's so cheap to do so. And so even though they might take the same exact iOS development course that you teach from another course instructor, they might want your course as well. And so once Mm -hmm. you do that co-instruction, those students kind of merge and then you can also promote your other courses to them. The other idea that I have, though, is that if you're even if it's not for someone who's on Udemy, which I think it makes sense and it's more it's beneficial if they have an audience as a Udemy instructor versus like on YouTube, for example, like you mm-hmm. said, 
finding someone who knows a topic that you don't necessarily know, but that your students would really want to know. And so for me, I have this idea of having courses on all the Adobe Suite products. And I have classes myself on Premiere Pro, on Photoshop, on Lightroom, on After Effects. But I don't know Adobe Illustrator that well. And so I'm looking for other instructors to create that course with me. And Hmm. so I don't really care if they have a huge audience. I, I would hope they do. But as long as they can create great content, um, I think my students would be more interested in that class, you know, compared to maybe what we did, which was a little bit outside of the realm of my student base. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. No. Uh, good info there. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I think, it. you know, for me, I think th- a couple other things that I keep in mind and tell people when constructing is just to be clear up front about the workload of course with the revenue split but also who's going to be answering questions after the course launches um Mm. what do you do with the course outside of udemy can you each put it on your own platforms can you sell it on skillshare i know a lot of these other platforms don't split revenue so you need to have some sort of deal for that have you run into any issues with that where co-instructors um kind of didn't follow up and have their end of the bargain they didn't answer questions or anything like that uh yeah it it was just that that one that i talked about earlier from from youtube where again it was like hey will you answer the questions on this and i mean for a while it was like well i don't don't know where the questions are on udemy and just like these (laughs) basics just like oh gosh but yeah 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 well i it, it definitely helps to partner with other Udemy instructors. I've taught a lot of courses with with friends of mine who weren't on the platform. And that's been great because we can branch out into other topics. Like a lot of my photography courses, I have, I've actually co-taught. And they're more of the photography expert where I'm, I can... I can sometimes teach things better and explain things better than they can, but they have that better reputation. But they don't have an audience at all of their own. So I imagine mm-hmm. like if they did, it would be awesome so that they can sell to their own own students. But but at the end of the day, I think you just have to be honest with yourself and it's gotta make sense. You gotta be doing it for the right reasons, not just to not just to use each other's student base, but to create a course that your students will actually love. So that's my advice at the end of the day. Hmm. And you, you just made me sort of realize like the uh in that vine example that I did is that like if you sort of revine someone else and their little six second clip isn't that funny, like um whatever, like that's probably not the worst thing in the world. The next day no one will remember it. But courses, right? Like this these are like multi month collaboration sort of things that people are paying money for. So it's probably uh like you said you got to make sure it's it's a good probably more effort putting beforehand to make sure it's a good fit is is good stuff. Yeah. Huh, good thought. What are you doing right now to drive students to your courses outside of Udemy? I know before you started a, a website, um do you, are you still doing kind of that stuff with YouTube or an email list or anything like that? The short answer is not enough. Uh I um I'll I'll tell you what the dream is. 
I love Udemy, and I hope everything is just great until the end of time. Um, the one feature that Udemy doesn't have that I would love to get uh, on my own site or through something else is uh, the idea of just reoccurring revenue. Uh, to have a student base that pays 15, 20 bucks a month, they get access to like all my courses, maybe some exclusive like live help or something like that. Um, but I'm, I don't know if you or, or anybody else watching has this. I'm going to suspect yes, because of how often we love the revenue report. But like on the, on the first of every month, when I open up the revenue report and it says zero dollars made, my heart just like sinks for a second. It's like, oh gosh, the gig is up. No one's buying this <laughs> crap anymore. They figured out, I don't know what I'm doing. Like it's over. And I just like, I hate the beginning of the month. Even like now a little bit into it, I'm just like, oh, like I know I have a, I'm doing this promo and hopefully that's going to bring it and stuff. And like, I know because I've been teaching for three years that like things are going to work out. Um, but I just hate that like feeling of like, oh gosh, this could end. So the thing I would love to get to is the reoccurring uh, revenue stuff. I am going to do a little project this fall um, to, that it's, it's going to be a very dedicated site. I'm going to do a, a thing on making um, raspberry Pi projects. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call it like Pi of the month mm -hmm. uh, where it's going to be like a thing where yeah, you pay like five bucks a month to get access to these, you know, projects or whatever. So I'm hoping with that one, I'm going to learn some lessons on things to do, things not to do. And then hopefully that'll lead to uh, doing kind of a bigger site where I could have all my content in one thing. But uh, I definitely think yeah. you could do it because you, you do have, you know, uh, a lot of courses. So you have a lot of content right now. And your target audience for most of your courses is pretty similar. So a lot of your students would be interested in a lot of your courses. And it's not too difficult to set up right now. There's lots of ways to do it, um, but I'm actually doing that right now. I'm using Teachable, and with Teachable, you can set up bundles of courses, so you can put all of your courses under one sort of course, and with that course, you can charge a subscription. And so you basically create your own sort of membership site through Teachable, and uh, I've set that up earlier this year. I've got a couple, I just checked today. I think I have 170 people signed up for that. There's also an option to get mm. lifetime access. So that 170 people are a combination of people who are paying $9 a month and then also people who have bought yearly plans and a lifetime plan. For me, the lifetime plan is like 200 bucks. And it's, it's nice to know. It's, it's growing. It's, it's not full-time income yet for sure. But, well, of course, it depends on where you live, but I chose to buy an expensive house in Southern California uh, <laughs> to stay close to family. But it, it is really nice to know that I'm probably going to make X amount of dollars this month because I have all of these users. And it's been growing. And I think for me, it, it's been growing because I have traffic to my site. I have traffic to my YouTube channel. But it's definitely something that you can, you can do. I suggest... Um, I, for you to just check out videoschoolonline.com to see how I set up, to see how people are, I'm driving people to that membership site. There's also mm -hmm. tools like Thrivecart, which is a, a checkout processing uh, tool that you can plug into Teachable. So you can actually do free trials. So right now what I'm doing is I have a seven day free trial for my membership, which has been 
really increasing the amount of people who are signing up. So I definitely think that's kind of the next step. And maybe it's a great thing for you to kind of work, think about and work on right now. Now that you've, you know, you're, you're kind of feeling a little burnt out on creating more and more and more courses. Uh, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's time to step back game. and really focus on creating your business and making sure that it's set up for the long run. So, so how does that sound? That's cool. I did not know that you could do a, because so that's, I've looked at teachable cause I know they have that, but I, the one big gripe that I had was the, the sales flow to do the like recurring thing to me just seemed horrendous. Yeah. Like at least the one time I looked at it, it was like you had to scroll past a bunch of courses down to a place. Yeah. And then, and then I was just thinking like, I would never sign up for this. Yeah. Um, so but, and then the free trial thing, but like, I don't know. So now it like it's a different. little bit different because you can customize your sales pages a bit more on Teachable. So with Teachable itself, you could, you know, you could move your, your, the button where they have to click to buy above the list of courses, which is good. It's still not perfect because, you know, if you want people to sign up for your membership site, they have to go to the landing page. They have to then click a button that takes them to the sales page where they have to sign up for an account. And it takes them a lot of steps. And that's why this tool, Thrivecart, is really cool because now on the homepage of Video School Online, there's a button to take the free trial. And literally, you just click the button. And you could do this to sell it. It doesn't have to be a free trial. You just click the button, there's a pop-up, you put in your information and you get automatic access. And there's no, you don't have to, I'm not sending people to another website. It's all really fluid. And that's why I think my conversions has have increased. I put up a video hmm. in um, the Facebook group for Online Course Masters about how I did this uh, a couple weeks ago and I'll send it to you so you can check it out. That'd be cool. And that free trial, do, do people have to put in a credit card for that to... Yeah. So you, you, yeah. So it's great because you're getting people's information. It's not easy for them to like opt out. Well, it's easy for them to opt out, but it's not like you're going to get a lot of freebie hoarders who are just signing up for free. And then later they have the option to sign up and actually pay. They actually have to put their credit card information in up front. So you're getting people who are actually genuinely interested and they could cancel anytime. I also have a 30 day money back uh, guarantee policy but mm. um and a few people have been have been canceling and that's totally fine but the conversions has increased since using that tool that tool it does cost money it's like right now it was like 600 bucks to get that and it's like a mm. lifetime fee though but i i think it'll pay pay for itself um in the long run for sure yeah that so. sounds really cool Okay, so I'll send you that information. Uh, I know you got to run soon, so I'll kind of wrap it up. Um, just kind of talking about what uh, we were talking about earlier, just with you know the honest truth about teaching online. In that sort of vein, what what advice do you have? What's your final piece of advice for people who are trying to get into teaching online? How to do it successfully, but maybe also what expectations to have or what you know you wish you could tell yourself um starting out um i'd say biggest piece of advice which um i i need to follow myself is uh if you've made a course 
Um, the best thing you can do to get more sales of that course is go buy a course on something that you're interested. So for example, uh, let's say you want to learn how to play the guitar, go look on Udemy or other just on the internet for a guitar course and, and pay attention to what you look for when you're trying to find a course. Like when you watch promo videos, what, what is it that you're looking for on a landing page? What do you want to see? What sort of reviews are you looking for? That will solve so many problems, I think. And every time I do that, it's like, what was I do? Like, why was this a good idea? But if you just step back and kind of look at your own thing as like, would I buy this? Like that, that can be very helpful. Um, the that. other thing is, I guess just like try, try and find some way to, to break through in whatever way that is. Um, I mean, there's, I think you can learn from what other people have done, but, uh, I think there's a lot to be said for like doing something for the first time. Um, and so, you know, maybe you watch a ton of people and it, you know, that are just killing it on Udemy and you're like, oh, I've got to make it on Udemy. Well, maybe there's some other site that is up and coming and you can be like the top dog there. Or, you know, maybe the way people are doing things on Udemy, you can do it a, a different way. But, uh, I don't know. I, I guess try and find your own little like weird way to get ahead somehow, be different, whatever it is. Um, which, you know, may not come from advice from others. So I don't know how you find that, but, uh, you just gotta get crafty. You gotta, I think it's good advice. Everyone's listening to this podcast to figure out exactly the right steps to do something to make money online with your courses. But just following our steps might not be the way that you find success. And I think finding that way to be unique and to stand out will, give you success no matter however that is with your courses with your promo videos with your youtube channel with the way you support students i think just standing out is how you'll grow your own audience in the long run nick it's been a pleasure what's the best way for people to get a hold of you to find out more information about your courses and uh, maybe even get in contact with you uh, really just you to me search Nick Walter. And, uh, if you want to contact me personally on Twitter at Nick Chuck Walter, um, Perfect. got a lot of random gifts for you there. If you're a fan of gifts, <laughs> cool. Well, I'll include all those links to on the show notes at onlinecoursemasters.com. Nick, thanks so much. Uh, best of luck with everything. And I hope we have a solid, rest of the year and i'm just excited to see where you take everything in the future yeah thanks for having me i hope you enjoyed that episode as always if you want to fast track your success head over to onlinecoursemasters.com and sign up for your free trial of my flagship program the online course masters masterclass yep that's right It's a masterclass designed to take you from zero to hero, creating and selling your very own online courses. If you haven't done so yet, please leave a review for this show wherever you listen. This is how we can help expand our audience and help teach the world. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week in the next edition of the Online Course Masters Show.